Um, we started actually this conversation like probably the other day talking about the change of environment mm-hmm. and everything. And I think about you often because I do live in the environment that you lived in mm. before. And I think we switched places. I think I was <laughs> like a city guy and you became a suburb suburb guy and everything. Because um, I don't know, the, the things that I encounter being, I, I think it's very difficult to probably acclimate to a new environment. But when you want a new environment, it's easier mm-hmm. and everything. Because um, I've seen a lot of men hang on to the hood mentality because of loyalty to other people and not really necessarily loyalty of themselves. I, mm-hmm. I admire the ones that made a choice to kind of grow their family outside in another community that fit them. And not to, to disgrade the, the city or anything. City is great for a certain, you know, people. But I think, you know, you would know what you need to be in environment. You need to know what kind of environment you need to actually acclimate or try to be a part of to maybe change your whole, I guess, mentality. And yeah. So I always, you know, I admire my dad too, my same, same way. Like my dad moved us out to the suburb just to kind of start us again and try to like give us a whole new, you know, whole new thing of scenery you know, a whole new environment, whole new bringing up. And now, you know, it made me want to go back to explore the city. And then I was strong enough to be able to get through and be able to, you know, come back and be a city guy and stuff like that and be a suburb guy. I can do both and be strong enough for both. It's it's, it's crazy because um, there's a term, right, that I didn't even know existed, which mm-hmm. is called the Philly bubble. Wow. Okay. I never knew about that term. So, uh, and when I heard that term, I started thinking about like, yo, it's really true because, you know, I could count on my hand, literally, how many of my friends I know that left Philly, or whatever the case is. But if I go back to Philly, it's a lot of my friends that I know that still doing the same things that they've been doing since we was in like elementary school, middle school, high school. So I'm like, yo, so the Philly bubble is real. It's hard to break out of that because everything you know, everything you've grown up to know is all there. Uh-huh. The, the the comfortability, the convenience and stuff like that is all there. So it's kind of hard to venture out that bubble because it's so convenient. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was I was stuck there um, until I New Jersey, and now my mind says that I'm never going to go back to Philly because I seen something better, you know. Yeah, kind of hard to downgrade again, not to say anything bad about my city, but however, the way of living is yeah. is way different than the way it was when I was growing up. You know, it was more community pride when I was growing up, it was more it took a village to raise a child when I was growing up. So, the conditions that it is now. Is a hundred percent different. It's unrecognizable to me. So, why would I go back to a strange land when I found a land that I'm comfortable with? So, yeah, it, I think it applies all around to anything. But then, like especially cities, like mm-hmm. it's like the city bubble. Like people feel like they're stuck here. And I remember a story. Um, pastor, he he um he said about. He used he was a therapist at one point with, for little boys, for young boys, teenage boys, and then he had took them on a field trip to, uh, um, 
to a suburb from Trenton. They were from Trenton or whatever, and then they he took them to a suburb, and them boys wouldn't get out the van. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like they went into a war zone, but it was... I never forgot that, and I felt like that is such a you know representation of people going outside of their environment. So just like flip it, like somebody being from the suburbs and not being able to acclimate to a city life or mm-hmm. you know whatever. Like I think a lot of people get stuck in the environment, feeling like they do would have to you know stay there. And it's not like people can't stay in the same place their entire life. I really you know, but then if you're making the same choices, that's where it comes yeah. into you know play where it's like okay you're still in the same place but are you you know are you growing in that place and then sometimes it takes for the like change up the environment for it's a challenge and i think i honestly can can even see the change in you like when you came over to whatever i think you i think it was kind of a a need in a sense where it was like okay because i didn't understand it at first when i was like why why, where's your friend Dwayne? like where, where are your friends at? And then he's like, y'all my friends now. Like, you know, and it's not like, yeah. and then it's it's not like you forsake them or whatever the case may be. It's like protecting you, I felt like, like you were protecting yourself in the, you know, in the transition. And now you're able to kind of handle being wherever you would be, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if you had made the choice to come back to the city, which you won't. But then you would be able to handle it probably now because you got your grounding and your footing outside the area that you you know you grew up in. Right. It, it's the saying that it's the saying that they say that you are who you are around, right? You are who you associate with. So before I came to Christ, so I was very much street. You know, my music was Jada and you know the locks and all that stuff, right? So that's that's who I was. I was street. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, they used to call me Debo when I was younger. So I was just, <laughs> I was, I was just street, right? So, uh, so the change came when I saw Christ, right? And that's when I started slowly changing. Then uh, God gave me a woman to help further me along, because again, He used my weakness as a strength in me. Mm-hmm. And my wife, she was the one who. Uh, would combat my way of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, I had to reevaluate who I was. <coughs> mm-hmm. Excuse me. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, can you hear me? Sorry about that. Yeah, I can hear you. Ah, that won't be on the recording, will it? <laughs> I, I can edit it out. All right, cool. So, what happened was uh, my friends, right? I'm like, okay, I'm changing on the inside of me. I found Christ is something better here. And I'm still living in Philly while I'm changing. Mm-hmm. But the, when I realized that my friends could not be the ones I could hang around was the day that my wife, first she warned me about going out with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm and because he's my friends, I do the same thing with them all the time. So to me, like, oh, you're you're, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing wrong. I'm gonna just go out. Right, right. But the the part about that was I got in the car and I had this feeling. It's like a 
stomach twisting feeling. I can't mm-hmm. explain it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm with the same people I've been with since elementary school. Mm-hmm. It's not like these are people that I just saw my 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 adult here. I mean, these are people I grew up with since elementary. Mm-hmm. I'm in the car and I'm just in my head. Something don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Now I'm learning that's my spirit was talking to. Me. Mm-hmm. But when I get there, we go to Fat Tuesdays. The whole night's going good. A part of of the old me almost came out because somebody kept bumping me, and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. But he was contained. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole night pretty much went well, where the case is. It was a little drama between uh, my friend and wife's cousin. You know, I kind of try to intercede in there just to calm it down, and it was good. All of a sudden, uh, (laughs) they pulled up in the car. They starting it up again. I tell my friend, uh, wife, go get your cousin something. You know, get out of here, wherever the case is, because, you know, the night ending good. I'm like, do you know how good it is to go home and tell um, your soon-to-be wife, you crazy, see, you was wrong? Listen, how often do a man tell a woman that they're wrong? So I was was happy about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're walking back, night is almost over, it was two guys on the bike. And what happened was, uh, one of the guys, he was staring at my uh, friend's wife really hard. And me and my friend, were street smart. So we know, like, okay, you see a group of dudes. You're not going to just stare at a girl in a disrespectful way. And there's not something else there that we just don't see. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But one of my friends, you know, he, he wasn't that savvy to it. And what he did was he, he started running his mouth. And the boy on the bike started running his mouth. And they kept walking, so I stood in front of the guy, and I told him, listen, you got to understand, that's my man wife. You know, again, trying to calm another situation down. Uh-huh. He was good with it. He he understood where I was coming from. He said, hey, all, that's all they had to say. I'm like, okay, cool. So he was fine. <laughs> so apparently my friend, he kept talking again. And mind you, it's not my friend who wife was there. It was a different friend who was talking. The guy on the bike got off the bike, walked past me. Right, he's like he just didn't see me, so he just walked past me, and then the other guy on the bike pulled out his gun. I'm like, oh gosh, here we go again. Uh-huh. So I'm yelling like, yo, it's not that serious. And all this stuff is happening now. To give you the gravity of this whole situation, one, how God was there, and two, why God had to show me the situation and let me know, like, dude, you got to change your environment, and that even means change the people that you're the most comfortable with. All right. The gravity of this situation was this. Both them dudes that was on the bike both had guns on them. And if I go back to my sling turn, they both had hammers. So <laughs> they both had they both had guns on them. So me and the boy, we're standing next to each other while he got his gun in his hand. We just looking at each other like, yo, this is just stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other guy, he was actually about to shoot and let off shots at my friends. But the guy that was sitting next to me ran to him and grabbed his arm before he even started squeezing. That's that one. Mm-hmm. In the midst of the whole situation, <clears throat> now, I know a lot of people who have guns, especially at that time, and a lot of the people that I associated with who was around Fat Tuesdays. Matter of fact, someone was actually in Fat Tuesdays, so they were still in the area. And they all carried guns underneath the seats. Mm. Every last one of our cell phones were dead. Wow, wow. We couldn't call, like, if we would have called anybody that was around there, I, hope, I could guarantee that shots would have been let off. Wow. 
I could guarantee that somebody would have been here. I could guarantee that somebody probably wouldn't have made it that night. Because it was too many people that we knew that carried those things with them. That was around there. Mm-hmm. So, again, nobody phone work. This guy, he wasn't able to let off shots, and we all was able to leave in our own different ways. Mm. No tragedy, no no none of that stuff. We all was able to go home. Mm. What a lesson. Wow. I feel as though God used that extreme situation, right? Mm-hmm. One, to let me know, dude, you know, listen to wise, wise counsel. The wise counsel at that time was my soon-to-be wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that told me I need to take her feelings in regard because she, in, in the sense of it all, is my armor bearer. Yeah. So she was protecting me. I was just being hard-headed and senseless and not listening. But I needed that example to see that. Right. The other part of it all was at least give an example of how God worked because my friend called me the next morning like, Dwayne, you know, I feel as though that the reason why nothing really happened that night is because you was there and out of all of us, you're the only one that started believing in God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a two-fold situation. Yeah. So from that point on, took my wife's words more serious. Well, my soon-to-be wife words more serious. My now wife <laughs> words more serious. <laughs> Because I don't want to hear like soon be right. Really? We ain't together. <laughs> oh, you're right so, back. You're right back. Yeah, so listen, I put the ring on it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, she said, Dwayne, because again, the next situation was uh, with having got Philly now. Mind you, I got so many kids, and I love my children. I love my family. Mm-hmm. And one of my biggest concerns was having them grow up in Philly. One, to me, you know, again, no offense to Philadelphia, but the, the school district is inadequate for our children. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not adequate. Like, the teachers don't really take that pride in teaching kids no more. And I want my children not to be a product of an environment. I want my children to be a statistic. I tell my children all the time, look, you don't ever want to become a statistic. Be everything other than a statistic because we are already labeled. You know, so I want you to get the best education. I want you to become something that, wow, they achieved that. You know, so we moved out of Philly, went to New Jersey. And I lied to you not, John, moving to New Jersey was the hardest transition in my life. Uh Uh (laughs) It was for about a year or a year and a half, right? Because, you know, we moved out and like, I mean, you had to walk half a mile just to get to a store. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Half a mile. I'm like, okay. So there's nothing around us. There's no city buses. There's no noise. I hear more, more crickets than anything else. So every night, I'm looking out the window. And uh, my wife's sitting there saying, stop looking out the window. I'm like, look, it's too quiet outside. Listen, if it's too quiet, something about to go down. I don't know this area. <laughs> so every night, I'm looking out the window. She brought bikes. I'm like, listen, like, lock them bikes up. She's like, Dwayne, we're not in Philly no more. It doesn't matter. I'm putting that past nobody. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, lock them bikes up. Y- your door's locked. <laughs> like, I, was, I, was, I was like, my whole Philly mindset was out there, but she she worked on trying to give me counsel. At the year and a half, it's more so, okay, I understand now. If it's quiet, it's good. If it's noisy, it's bad. <laughs> in Philly, if it's noisy, it's good. If it's quiet, it's bad. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That's what I so, think. But I think going back to your original situation, I feel like 
it's more than twofold. Like that thing could unfold so many ways and everything that there would be like it taught, you know, what type of environment, what type of environment that you actually was in. And and but then I can see that with a lot of other cats that probably had that experience but they, they still didn't make their choice. So mm-hmm. I think we're living right now in the extreme of the the product of people ignoring the clues, mm-hmm. ignoring the signs of it all. And I was like, yo, we, we're living in those times because then like a lot of people probably had those clues of like, you need to change your environment. You need to learn this lesson. You need to do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But nobody, they didn't listen. They just continued to go on and do the same thing. Like have many nights like you had your night or whatever mm-hmm. and then didn't choose. That's why I always esteemed you when it came to changing that environment because I felt like you did shift a bit and I didn't understand why I was like, okay, well, why is he, you know, even though, even though I was already close to, you know, you know, your wife, Candy, and, you know, I was always close because she was singing with me at the time. So then it was like you just came a part of the package deal very quickly. <laughs> so then... It just when we became family, and that's what it was. So then I was just like, well, "Why is this guy going so hard to be family?" And then knowing those moments that you guys had to transition, because I've seen it wasn't like you guys. You guys do very well of protecting your environment. I can mm-hmm. understand. I can really do that. Even though things are probably went on and stuff like that, you guys still protect your environment. If you guys reminded me of my parents, we did never see my parents. My parents were strong disciplinarians. My parents were, you know, pillars. They they did what they had to do. They weren't rich, but they worked hard and everything like that. And, but we didn't see them fight. We didn't do all that. They didn't put that in our face or whatever. They didn't really do all of that. So, but, but there was a lot of transition that had to actually happen about the choices that they had to make and everything and who had to be strong for who in whatever moment. And that just proved, you know like that total thing that that was a good thing and then for us your relationship with god relationship with people and now you being in a position where it's like you see those you know i call you the parable man like because <laughs> you have parables like of stories and stuff and then your jokes your corny jokes and all this other stuff that you use or whatever like it just because you have stories for days oh yeah especially dealing with family and as much as you smile and laugh and you're funny that you know versus your story i admire that like i admire that greatly because then i'm just like you know a lot of cats want to stay where they are you know for the sake of just loyalty to that environment or loyalty to their family but then what are you doing for yourself like what are you doing like that whole thing was about you what are you doing for yourself and you still are that guy that was doing for everybody else but then you chose in that moment you chose you. Yeah. And that was beautiful. Like, you had to make the mistake of it or whatever, and then you chose you, and God gave you that, you know, help me and that armor bearer or your wife to be able to point that out, even though that's very humbling as well, to to a, allow a woman in like that, to allow her words to penetrate you like that, but that's how God works. Mm-hmm. Whoever he wants to use in that time to be able to push you forward and, and look where it is now. Like, you know, not that the journey is over, 
but now you know ministry you know path and stuff like that and it's it's great like it's greatness you know at this point or whatever now i think we recently talked about like you you know just kind of penetrating that environment again and being able to fully handle it because like i mean to everybody out there that's listening it's just you can't get Dwayne to go nowhere for, for nobody <laughs> Like, but like before, it's like you was ready to go. It was cool, but now it's like you know you just want to be with your family, and that's cool. Like I can admire that, but I always say that men need their their offset and they need their time to themselves, even just a little while. And then now I think it's you know you you're coming into that time where you can balance that time out. Yeah. So. Like it was like I look at it too. Like you ever seen? What happens to a car that stays stuck in the mud? Terrible. Here we go with the terrible. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just saying. Like, what happens is it starts to decay. Mm -hmm. You know, initially when it's driving, it don't expect to be stuck in the mud, but at some point it gets stuck in the mud. And, you know, the rotors and all that stuff, because it's in moisture and liquid, it it starts to decay, starts to rust, starts to erode. Now, a lot of times in our life, we don't understand when we're stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't understand when we are stuck in the mud, what is starting to decay. Because when stuff decays little by little by little over time, it's kind of hard to see it. Mm-hmm. But when you do know that you're stuck in the mud, how do a car that is stuck in the mud get out of the mud? How do get a car that's stuck in the mud get out of the mud? How how do they get out of the mud that they're stuck in? Nine out of the ten, you had to call a tow truck to pull you out. Because at some point you realize that you are unable to get that car out on your own, whether you're trying to press the gas, reverse, you have to get to a point where you be like this, I have to call for help. Or you wanna just sit there in the mud. Mm-hmm. My biggest issue is that even transitioning from Philly was that I didn't call for help. But my passenger that was with me while I was still stuck in the ways knew when to call for help, which is my wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my wife was my tow truck. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the dispatcher of my tow truck was God. Mm-hmm. So, I think really the mindset of leaving your environment is that we don't know that we're mentally stuck in a rut. We don't know that we're stuck in a rut. Right. right. Mentally. And because you got a lot of other people that may be stuck in the mud with you, there's nobody around you to help you get out that mud. Yeah. And if you do get out the mud, right, you mm-hmm. got some people who get out the mud and still continue to go down that same muddy, that same muddy uh, roadway. And yeah. They're stuck again. Right. For me, those people are the ones who had the opportunity and the blessing of getting out their environment that they say, oh, I want to get from around here because everybody's getting shot. Oh, I want to get around here because they're drugs and stuff like that. And then go to a new place, right, where it has none of that and still bring the mentality of that same hood mindset and then recreate what they said they wanted to leave. Those, to me, are the people that are pulled out the mud and just then still go down the same muddy path. Mm-hmm. They get stuck back in the mud. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they recreate their ditch. 
That's wow. That's wild. Yeah. So, because they're comfortable there, like, yeah. and I think I got to get out of the um, this thing. I mean, because I don't want to vilify Philly or any city or anything like that. But we're literally talking about an inner place, mm-hmm. like an inner conflict and everything like that. It's not necessarily talking city or whatever, because the suburbs can be just as volatile mm-hmm. as. <laughs> As the city or whatever, it just depends on where you are in your inner state and in your mindset. Like it doesn't, you know, you can be so stuck. Because I had a moment the other the other day where I had a mo- I was like, okay, well, you know, do I choose to be down in the moment? Because I had like a financial moment, a financial dip, like on mm-hmm. Monday, like I a bill, like I'm following my credit report, right, um, real heavy. And then I let the, um, there was a balance that it hit or credit or whatever, because I pay mine every month or whatever. But then the way it reports, the day it reports, it didn't report my payment. I paid it like maybe a day later and everything like that. So then it dropped my score significantly. And because I was going so hard in it for that credit report score, I was like, I was so hit in my heart. And then, so I was driving to work and I started to get discouraged. And then I thought about it. And I was like, and I've thought about many other times when I stayed in a place of discouragement. I let it live there for a, so, for a little while and not really nip it in the butt and allow the tow truck, as you would say it, <laughs> come and get me out, you know, of that ditch or whatever. So, because sometimes you don't even have somebody else. You might have to tow yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have to have that little hook or something <laughs> or whatever. Or, the tree. Or, or have the right vehicle or have a right four by four where you kind of like or in the you know right vehicle where you can pull yourself out by yourself that you can or, or it'll be like you like, you know, be handy dandy <laughs> and just try to find something around or whatever that you can, you know, pull it out and be, you know, you know, because sometimes you don't have, you know, somebody else. Because at that moment, I, I had to call forward my peace mm-hmm. and be like, it'll be OK. It's fine. I'll get out of this. This point, you know, this is not a permanent place or whatever that I have to be in. It's not a permanent place. So I had to, you know, make sure that I'm like, yo, I, I, I can't be in this place anymore, especially this year. It's like, just yeah. do it. Just do it is my mentality, the Nike thing. Mm-hmm. Just do it is like my mentality. Like, I got to do it now because otherwise it's just not getting done. I have to address things now. I have to go into my, you know, my heart with myself, you know, and make sure that I'm not sabotaging me and staying mm-hmm. in a, a permanent place, you know, because I'm just used to being in that place. I'm just right. used to being that guy. You know, and I'm, you know, just because I'm used to it don't mean it's right. It makes it more interesting that you know that you're that guy and you know that you're that person and that you can basically determine that you're not going to be that person anymore. Like you're Mm -hmm. not, you can, or that you are going to better that person to be a better version of the same guy, you know, because I think that's more, I I love knowing that you were an angry guy before. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, that I love knowing that they know that you are who you are now. Even though you still scare me when you get to your mad moments, but I, I, I'm a lot better. No, I mean, well, <laughs> but the thing is, it's more tame. Is I see a lot 
like I don't, I don't, I, I can probably count how many moments we had like that in the mm-hmm. years. I can count probably two, <laughs> yeah, moments where we had like that, but it wasn't like a lengthy moment, and it was a teams because I could tell it was a teams, you know, moments and everything where we had to have discussions and stuff like that or whatever, you know, to express, and that was big. You know, rather than a lot of cats that I encounter that just automatically go violent or automatically go to a fight or mm-hmm. automatically, you know, whatever. But you didn't acclimate to your environment anymore, so you changed your environment and you just knew what it was. You didn't have to just go into survival mode. It was yeah. interesting. Like, I, I, it, it was interesting that I had a friend of mine that you just said, like, when y'all was out in that environment that, you know, how to handle it properly and stuff like mm-hmm. that, whatever. And we had a discussion about that. And I didn't know that there was an order. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that there was an order that you had to handle this. I'm like, oh, I ain't know that. Yeah, being raised in Philly is like, I was raised, like, a lot of older people, we call them old heads, you know, a lot of old heads, you know, I used to be underneath their wings. So we, it was always a lot of rules and regs, I guess you could call it, you know, streetwise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's the mindset you have to break out of. You know, it's you raised this way, so it's kind of like the mindset you have to break out of. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one, actually, one of the starts to my change in the mindsets was uh, when Kai was born. Okay, okay. I used to work with this guy. His name was Mike. And uh, he was actually a, he was a recovering addict. And, you know, I, and I kind of admired that about him because, you know, both my parents, they, they're addicts. You know, they're addicts. One is recovering, I think. But they both were addicts. And so for him, you know, seeing his, his recovery and how he was, right? Mm-hmm. And I was still high-headed when I worked at Prudential. So, Somebody just said they got on my nerves and I got real heated. He pulled me to the side and said, Hey, Dwayne, listen, I, I understand that because I started expressing to him, like, you know, what I wanted to do. And he's like, he's like, Dwayne, Dwayne, I understand, I understand. And I respected him because of, you know, who he was and what he actually achieved from his recovery. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Dwayne, one thing I want you to know what affects you affects your son. Okay, bang. That's the first thing that made me start shifting my mindset. Mm hmm. So now I had to be worried about all my actions because I don't want nothing to happen to my son based upon my action. Right. So I'm like, okay. So I kept getting all these nuggets about changing your mindset. So again, I was already on that path, but I think God fast forward me there. He's like, listen, dude, I've been I've been having you on training wheels for far too long. You need to learn to ride this bike on your own. Right. Right. But yeah, it's a mindset thing, you know. It's like one of the terms they used to use, like uh, when I was growing up, is like "sucker free." You can't let nobody make you feel like a sucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you gotta be sucker free. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yo, okay, who dictates what a sucker is? <laughs> <laughs> now, now that I'm older, a little bit more wise, I'm like, okay, what dictates a sucker? Right. You know, if I'm able to walk away. From doing something that is could be regrettable. Yeah. Does that really dictate me being a sucker? Or does that dictate me being wise and not succumbing to the foolishness of others? Right. So now my mental mindset is more so thinking about okay, who dictates what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I if I allow myself to 
fold to your definition of whatever words you want to attach to me, then I'm folding to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't, it's the mental mindset. And, and the sad thing when I see these news reports, like, I, even though I'm not in Philly, I still look at Philly because my brother's in Philly. Mm-hmm. So I have a, I always have a natural concern of, okay, I want, I don't want my brother to be up on the news, right? Because mm-hmm. he's in North Philly right now. Oof, Lord. <laughs> so, I mean, he's comfortable. Like, that's where we're from. We're from North Philly. So we're a little comfortable down there, but. It's still, you know, yeah. it's, it's, for me, for him, it's not a good environment because, again, more kids are becoming more reckless. And the sad thing is the mindset of the kids, they could be so much more better. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at them like, you know, half the stuff, y'all are afforded more opportunities than what my generation and all those before us had. Uh-huh. They had more freedoms to information. They had more ways to become scholars. And I'm just looking at them like, y'all are killing yourselves over a dumb mindset. Uh-huh. It's a stupid mindset. Uh-huh. And it, it's not getting them nowhere. And it's not just Philly, though. Let's, uh-huh. let's keep it honest. Yeah. You got you got stuff, stuff in like Detroit. You got people getting killed in California. You, you got these dumb mindsets all over the place. But you can, like I said, like it's not even catered to an environment. You got cats like that over there. Yeah, like, it's gotta, all mindset. Yeah, everywhere. Oh, don't don't get me started over here now. Yeah. now don't get me wrong. I mm-hmm. like it over here. Mm-hmm. But my gripe with the mindset over here is okay. All right, let's just take Mount Holly, right? Mount Holly got some people who try to be like thugs and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. You're growing up in a good environment. What is the purpose? Mm-hmm. I grew up where a whole block was riddled with broken glass and needles at the end of the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom had to talk to us about, listen, if you see these needles on the floor, don't touch it. Mm-hmm. If you're living in, like, Mount Holly or in a suburban area, what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. We grew up in those situations. You're creating them. Mm-hmm. It don't need to be created if you have the means to live a better life. Mm-hmm. Like, we strive for a better life. Me, my sister, like, we strive for that. Because the life that we lived as a kid, and now that we're older, we know it's not conducive to a better life or a better upbringing mm-hmm. of our children. But when you go to a neighborhood and see, okay, you got clean streets. You got both parents in the house. Mm-hmm. You don't got no real drug issues with your parents. Mm-hmm. 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 Why are you talking slang now? Why aren't you talking proper? Yeah, Why is your pants sagging? Because it's like, in a <laughs> sense, you didn't think you had enough. I can, I can speak to that where I felt like I needed more, you know, and more conflict because I had a lot of friends that probably were from the city or had a lot of a little bit of a rough life. So I felt like I needed to create a rough life. Mm. Or whatever for the stupidest, it sounds so stupid <laughs> because it's like, you know, why would you want to create that? Like, why would you want to create like something that's not there, it's not organic to you, or whatever? So it's just crazy because that's why I was like, why, you know, what came from all the drugs and was like probably more drugs or whatever going on over in that area or those areas than it is, um. And over here, mm-hmm. like it's just like it's it's wild. 
it's wild to uh to really think about because then it's like why you know why not choose peace why not choose understanding why not choose you know like the sucker free mentality that you would determine what you're sucker free from like you would determine it you would be independent you know i've always loved when somebody comes into an environment and they just remain themselves they just remain them but then they grew organically like there was something where they didn't feel like they needed any more any less or anything like that or whatever and then they just let you know what they went into grow them up in a sense rather than looking for something you know new like that that made it worse that made it worse like yeah. as a young kid i think you know we made detriments like the ones that transitioned from like the city to the suburbs or even the ones that were there trying to maintain a rep um uh reputation of something mm-hmm. that they weren't you know it's not you're not that guy so why would you try to be that guy you're not that girl so why would you try to be that girl and why now we have to you know those environments are created because somebody was not independent enough or somebody was not you know brave enough just to be themselves like just to be themselves and not look for anything more and just let life happen just let it happen and just let you know you grow organically rather but then you get other people in their ear you get other insecure people in their environments influencing influencing the other environments and it just you know sometimes it goes for sabotage i mean you have some brave ones but then you have a lot of these environments got created by people that just were super insecure mm-hmm. about their journey. Yeah. Like, like for me, I came up with a term and well, never told nobody my term, but so when I, when I change, right. And I get time to reflect on myself. Right. I, I think about what some parents do to their children. Now, you know, most, all parents want to leave a legacy to their children. Right. Mm-hmm. In some way, shape, or form, they want to leave some type of legacy, right? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, what some parents don't understand that they are not—they're leaving a legacy, but it's a legacy of death. Mm-hmm. If you hold on to that street mindset, that street mentality, right, then your child is going to grow up with that street mindset and street mentality. Mm-hmm. And we all know who've been in the streets, like you know, when when we passed eighteen, we was happy to pass eighteen. I think I was a. When was the first time I known somebody that that got shot? I think I was I was in middle school actually. Uh-huh. The first time I known known somebody my age that was shot and killed uh-huh. in middle school. Middle I think I was in sef- seventh grade. Wow! I was in seventh grade. That was my first time. Another time I was in ninth grade, and then mm-hmm. every year almost after that is always another body that. That drop that I knew. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you raise your child to be a certain way, right? Especially street. Street life is not a life. I'm I mean, just that mindset in general is not a life. So it's like they're passing on a legacy of death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the legacy, in my opinion, should be passed on to the children is of success. That's what the mindset should be. To be more so mentally strong, not worrying about okay. I want to be like this hip hop star on TV, right. or I want to be like this this girl that you know dressed really inappropriate that looked too fast. Like the mindset should be okay. This is what I want in myself. Uh-huh. You know this this is what success look like. 
Mm-hmm. Or where the case is. Um, without that mindset, it's like the child is left to learn it on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, and we as parents are the ones that's supposed to shepherd our children to know that and to want to learn that. Put that in their reach. Like, I knew nothing about credit cards. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about debt. I knew nothing about uh, how money works for you. None of that stuff. This is not what is taught to us. Mm-hmm. And I learned about credit card and debt the hard way by going to debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I learned about that, I wouldn't have went into debt. It took me like seven, eight, nine years to get out that debt with a credit card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if that knowledge would have been passed on to me, do you know what type of legacy that probably would have, mm-hmm. like, that's a good legacy to get to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not Hey man, you work all day, work all night. I mean, give me the strong work ethic, but also teach me about money. Right, right. You teach me how to work for the money, but teach me about the money. Mm-hmm. Teach me about how I can make the money work for me, so I don't, you know, work myself to death. Right. Teach me how to be wise with my finances. Teach me how to be an owner of my business. Teach me how to deal with stocks and be smart about this. Mm-hmm. You know, but teaching me streets, how to flip a gram. No, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, no, you know, teach me turns that you know, this is an eighth, <laughs> right? Right, no, no, this is that's not a legacy, yeah, you know, so it's a mindset thing, yeah. I was talking to somebody yesterday about how their parents um put them down a lot, mm-hmm. like they put them down a lot, they you know, they told them they were nothing, and blah blah blah. blah. And then how that affected them, but then now how they are so much, they're they're they remind me of you, like they're this African guy, and mm-hmm. they remind me of you where he's like a jack of all trades and everything like that. Anything he takes on, you know, he's an artist. Like he paints, he he takes pictures. You know, he tries That's trying true. to do videos and everything. Great guy, you would get along. We would get along. We'll try to get you guys together. Um, and then, but then he realized how much he was um he didn't realize how much he was breaking the cycle i had to break it down to him i was like so because um elder angie she preached yesterday there is purpose for the pain mm-hmm. so greater is coming so like whatever happened then even those lessons you realize what was probably going on in your mind you know like those things were on your mind probably to be educated in those things like and for me like even growing up even though i watched my dad and everything like that I didn't ask much questions, but it was in me to ask a lot of questions, but I didn't ask them or whatever. Mm. I just kind of let things roll the way that we roll. And I think you do that a lot as a kid, where it's just like you let it roll, roll, roll. And then you don't ask much. You may think it's wrong or whatever, but then you really don't own that until you really have to live your own life Mm. and everything. And then it's like you choose whether to break the cycle or you know, or make it something that was better. Like your awareness makes you more educated of what was going on and what you can do for your thing to be able to elevate you. You know, I have to tell that guy, you know, you know, not to let that, you know, the pain of the past dictate now. He's breaking the cycle now because he's not doing that to his kids. You know, he's being able to elevate himself and be a nice guy and be a good guy and be able to educate himself as much as possible instead of and in a, a regimented place it's just like we got to do this we got to work we got to work to do this money or however you got to make money or whatever whether you got to manipulate it 
or whatever the case may be. And just I was so tired of seeing the 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 legacy of manipulation of, mm-hmm. of trying to get over. You know, like I'm like, yo, like I didn't see that with my my parents or whatever like that. So when I look on the outside of everybody else, I've seen so much of people being happy and cheering when they could go on welfare and just or still be working a job. And, and putting in somebody else's name, yeah, and yeah. getting the money or doing the, the the taxes thing of claiming other people's kids and cheering for these things, advertising for these things, and I'm just like, why would you not want to break the legacy of that to try to get more? That's temporary stuff, you know. That's like small potatoes, but then we could like get stocks and everything like that or whatever mm-hmm. to grow what it is, and that's where we're living now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that and then I have to catch myself sometimes where, you know, I wish I knew I was educated about this stuff earlier or whatever. But then I have to take that on. I didn't ask a lot of questions. You know, I didn't ask whatever. So then I'm like, I got to take it what it is now. At least I got it now in my lifetime, right. you know, rather than it being something. And I think a lot of people don't believe that they can take it on when they get older, especially when they get older or whatever. And be like, well, this is what it has to be. No, it don't have to be what it has to be. You don't have to stay in that place. You right. don't have to be in the same spot. You can grow. And the things that you were already thinking about probably, you know, you can let it you can let it grow. You can just tap into it. I never thought I would be editing any videos or anything like that. I never thought mm-hmm. I would be taking pictures. I never thought I'd be doing this. You know, but it was always on my mind. It was on my mind a lot to be giving out information and to be able to, you know, you know, challenge myself to do things that I, you know, outside of my normal was always on my mind, you know, so I'm being honest now, you know, you're being honest now, Mm -hmm. who you are, you know, being a family man, being, you know, getting, making sure everything stays straight, you know, helping people doing all these things, being in ministry, everything that was a part of you, you know. Yes. Like once you open up that, once you expand your horizon, I say that your potential is limitless. Mm-hmm. It's limitless. There's nothing that once you say I can't do it, you already stopped yourself. Mm-hmm. But once you take away that I can't, and like you said, just do it. Every opportunity, every avenue can be open to you. Mm-hmm. But it's a mental mindset. You have to believe in that. You know, without the belief in that, without the belief in you, <laughs> you want to always stop yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm a severe asthmatic, right? Mm-hmm. And my mom always told me I couldn't or I can't. Okay. If, my, if I, sad, but if I listen to my mom's words, right? I was I always had the mentality that I could do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm gonna put something nerdy out here, okay? So y'all better not laugh at me if y'all hear this and y'all see me, okay? So when I was a kid, I used to watch X Men, right? And I used to always consider myself Wolverine, like I could heal fast, I could do whatever, right? Uh, because I badly did not want that sickness of asthma, mm-hmm. so I always told myself, "I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna stop me. It's not gonna affect me." So I ended up playing basketball from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I would perfectly not try to have my medicine with me because I wanted to push myself to see 
if I'm really limited, like my mother said, I was limited. And I found out for myself that I could only limit myself because despite of what she thought, that means I wasn't a- I wouldn't have been able to play from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. straight cardio running around basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, so because of my mindset at that time, I realized there was nothing that could stop me if I only believed in that. Mm-hmm. You know, even now, I still think I could do all things, but you know, and when you get in the 30s and you know, you have a family, you know, listen, that fam, that, that Mary weight is real. I'm, a, I'm like 40 pounds heavier than I was when I played basketball. My knees feel it. <laughs> <laughs> but even with that, you know, I still got the mindset that I'm still ready to dunk on somebody. Right. I, I do believe it. You know, uh, even with the pain and stuff like that that comes with me playing it, I still feel as though I'm as good as I was when I was younger. Mm. So it's it's a mindset. You have to constantly believe in yourself and but always speak positivity in yourself. Mm. You know, I can't do it. I just can't. I'm. St- it's all a mindset. You know, it's no different than you know me moving from Philly to uh, Jersey. If I just said no, it won't be right. It wasn't in third. I would still be in Philly. Right. right. You know, if I if I succumb to the negativity of my mindset, then that's where I will always be in the form of negativity. Nice. You know, I want to grow. In order to grow, I can't be negative. I had to be positive and um, optimistic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about the things I can achieve. I can't limit myself. No. I hope you enjoyed that and you will continue on our conversation series for next time with Simple Talk. Have a blessed day.